Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Well, hey, my name is Crystal Sparks, and I am one of the lead pastors here at One Church. My husband and I uh, pastor the church together. Um, We believe that we're called to lead alongside each other. And so today, I'm actually going to be bringing the word to you. I'm so honored to be here with you. If this is your first time here, I just want to tell you how happy I am that you came. I know that you could have gone to a lot of different places. And so just from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking this hour to spend it with us. Um, Our prayer for you is that you might encounter Jesus today at our service, and we'll be believing God with you as you are in search of a new church home. So we are in the process of becoming one church, and so with that, we have got new uh, car decals, because how many of you guys know, like, church RC people represent everywhere they go, right? I mean, y'all represent hard. Uh, the other day, I was somewhere, and somebody had church RC stickers on the inside of their car and on the back of their car. Like, they want to make sure the people riding inside know what church they go to and the people on the outside. And so, hey, guess what? We've got new stickers for you. They say one church. And you might be saying, why are we changing the name of our church? The reason why is because we believe that God's called us more than to just a city. And we are launching our second campus. And we believe that what God started here isn't going to stop here. And that he's calling us to more communities, more cities. And so we believe that this name better reflects that, the vision that the Lord has continues to unfold for us. So I'm so excited about the word I have for y'all. Like, I I'm almost kind of nervous because I feel like I've got so much that if we were together for like an hour and a half, I think I could do this text justice. But since we only have 30 minutes, I'm going to do the best I can to unpack this in 30 minutes. I'm just going to preach it like I feel it. Tap somebody, say, preach it like you feel it. Preach it like you feel it. All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. You're going to love this story. If you've never heard this story, you're going to love this story. Acts chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John were coming up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when a certain man crippled, somebody say certain man, crippled from his birth, was being carried along, who was laid each day at that gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he might beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift. And Peter directed his gaze intently at him, and so did John, and said, look at us. And the man paid attention to them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. Somebody say expecting. But Peter said, silver and gold, money I do not have. Pause, side note, some people use this portion of scripture right here to say that the disciples were poor. Let me just say that if you are crippled, money doesn't solve your problem. He's saying, I can give you money, you can go buy bread, but that's not going to solve your problem. That's what he's actually trying to tell this man here. They had plenty of money, but money's not going to fix the problem. Some of you think that you have a money problem. You don't have a money problem. There's a deeper root to the problem. And he says, I do not have, but what I have, I give to you in the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he took hold of the man's right hand with a firm grip and raised him up. And at once, somebody say at once. 
his feet and ankle bones became strong and steady. And leaping forth, he stood and began to walk. And he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking about and praising God. And they recognized him as the man who usually sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement over what had occurred to him. Can we pray as we begin our time together? Father, we just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this house that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said... Amen. You know, I think this text is so interesting for lots of different reasons. It says that he was lame from his birth. It says that he was lame from his birth and that every day he got carried to the gate called beautiful every day. Now, I just want you to think about this, that some of us feel like we've worked out for a long time when it's January 15th and we started January 1st, right? We feel like we've been doing it for a long time. I want you to think about this. He was lame since his birth and every day he went to the gate called beautiful. Now noting whenever you read your Bible, I want you to see different similarities and different texts and contrast them to other stories that it's interesting that the man named blind Bartimaeus tells us, the Bible tells us that he was sitting by the roadside begging. And whenever he began to cry out to Jesus, the other people who were begging around him told him to hush and to be quiet. See, I understand why the blind man, blind man named blind Bartimaeus, I understand why he was sitting. He was sitting around people who were just like him. I understand the man who was laying by the pool of Bethesda. It says that there was a big number of sick folk. Uh, Amplified Bible says there was a multitude of sick folk. I love the country in the Bible. Amen. Calls them sick folk. There was a ton of sick people around him. I understand that because normally what we do in our life and in our society is we surround ourselves with people who have like condition as us. That's why when you find a woman who's unhappy in her marriage, she doesn't want to hear you talking about how happy you are in your marriage. She's going to do everything she can to get around people who are just as miserable as she is. That's why people who struggle financially, they don't hang out with people of affluence. You know why? It's not because people of affluence won't hang out with them. It's because when they're around the people of affluence, they feel lesser than. See, when we're surrounded with people that have the same condition as us, it breeds in us that where we are is okay. That is satisfactory to remain in the place that we've always been because their level of success now merits why I'm not being successful. And so now their life and their story becomes the excuse of why I'm not living out my life and my story. But this text is so different. It's completely different than the other miracles in the Bible. And this is why it's because he was laid daily at the gate called beautiful. Here he is, almost the whole text is an oxymoron in and of itself because here you see weakness in the face of strength. When you read through the gate called beautiful, it said that it took the strongest men of the day to build the gate. And here is the lamest man in society laying outside of its gates. See, at that time in the Bible, there was three gates to get you into the temple. The gate called Beautiful was the only temple that the women were allowed to go in through. And it was the only temple where the Jew and the Gentile could come in through. And here he lays at the gate in hopes that he might get through. But his lameness was the thing that prohibited him from ever being able to get in. See, here he was and he decided, if you get anything out of this message today, I want you to get this, that if you can't change your circumstance, change your environment. 
the greatest step of faith you can have is to begin to change what's around you. I may not be able to change what's happening in me, but I can change the people I'm connected to. That's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. That's why it's important who you're friends with, because you will naturally acquiesce to their level of spirituality. And so if we're not careful, if all we surround ourselves with people who are broke, busted, and disgusted, they're not going to church on Sunday, they're not living passionate for God, then all of a sudden what we do is we begin to go down to their level. And here this man is for his entire life, the Bible says, they carried him to the gate called beautiful. Do you have friends in your life that will take you to your potential and not the place that your circumstance says you should be? See here his friends were, it was almost like an act of faith every single day saying, you're not going to remain in this state forever. See, here's the thing is that you will become what you behold. You will become what you behold. Uh, Courtney and Thailand, I asked her permission to tell this story. And uh, Courtney and Thailand, can you just stand up and wave at the people? Show them who you are. They're youth leaders here, and uh, they just knew, they're just newly married, y'all. They're still honeymooners. I mean, y'all are still honeymooners. I mean, they're just married. And so uh, recently on their honeymoon, they went to a really nice restaurant, and she posted something that got me lit up. And so I asked her permission to tell this story. So how many of you guys have ever walked into a restaurant and you're like, well, we ain't in Whataburger anymore. (laughs) And let's just be honest. Whataburger is the rich man's fast food, right? It's expensive to eat at Whataburger, y'all. Like you can eat at Chili's nearly for what you can eat at Whataburger. Anyways, and so she goes somewhere and she posts that she went to Morton's Steakhouse And she said, some friends told us about it. And she goes, y'all, we can't afford this. She goes, and we don't belong here. And everybody looked at us like we don't belong here. She said, we knew it and they knew it too. And I sent her a message. I said, girl, the devil is a liar. You do belong there. That's exactly where you're supposed to be. Because she was posting how the amount of dinner could have paid their electric bill. I said, baby, one day you're going to be so successful that that's going to seem like nothing. You're seeing it through the lens of lack and not through what God's about to take you to. In that moment, she's sitting lame in her condition. And she's looking at a gate called beautiful. And the inside of her is saying, I don't belong here. And that same mentality is what kept the people out of the promised land. Because it said, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. In that moment, the poverty mindset on the inside of her was challenged. And she had a choice in that moment to grow or to shrink back, to say, I don't belong here, or to say, one day we're going to come in here like it's nothing. One day we're going to pay for all of our family to be in here. See, there's a story about, if, if y'all have ever heard about the Spanish mackerel, and the Spanish mackerel is a fish. And basically this fish will be as big or as small as the environment it's put in. If you put it into the ocean, it grows very large. If you put it into a small tank, it'll stay small. A goldfish is much of the same way. And let me tell you, you in your life, you are growing to the size of your environment. If you can't change your situation, change your environment. And right now, I just, I, I'm going to just preach it like I feel it. Tylen and Courtney, you just stand up right where you're at. Y'all stretch your hands out to them. This is called being church. This is what we do. We pray, God, I just declare in this place 
The Lord says there's going to be a day where you're going to be so financially successful that the money you spend at that restaurant is going to be nothing. The Lord, I just really see this. There's an anointing for wealth on you. The Lord's going to increase you more and more. And the Lord says that you don't, don't shrink back. And that in that moment, you saw the potential of what's ahead of you. And it's not about restaurants, but it's about nations and it's about giving. And the Lord says, don't look through your finances through lack of where you've been. Look at it, what he's called you to do in Jesus name. And everybody say, amen. See, here's the thing. Come on, give up a hand clap of praise. I told you, I'm just going to preach it like I feel it. See, but here's what we do is we lay in the places that make us feel comfortable. That's why some of you are uncomfortable in this service because you want a religious service. Like, you know, church, you don't want it to challenge you. You don't want it to push you. You don't want it to rock your boat. You want me to go there? I'll go there. You want a word that tells you all oh, everything you're doing is fine, but I've come today to shake your cage and to tell you maybe today you're sitting at a gate called beautiful and God's calling you. He's challenging what's on the inside of you. The things that you've been having since birth. I've always had these problems. I've always had these difficulties. See, what's interesting is the Bible says they laid him at the gate. The gate is significant for this reason is it, it signifies an access point, a point of entry from what you had to where God is. See, that gate was significant because God at that time did not dwell outside of the gate. And some of you in this place, you've lived your life thinking that you're cursed because you've gotten close to breakthrough, but you've never actually gone in. You've gotten close to being loved, but you've never actually gone in. You've gotten close to getting the job, but you've never actually gone in. And the problem with this mentality is if we sit outside the gate too long for life, then what happens is we become a critic of those who actually go in. Where God wants us to remain a student, we become a critic. And in those moments, see, here's the thing, is that the people who haven't experienced change are always critical of the people that do. That's why some of you watching the youth worship today, you had this kind of reaction. Oh, I remember when I used to worship like that. So you become a critic of what you haven't entered into. That's why you're critical of young love of people who are newly married. That's why you're critical when the coworker drives up in the new car. That's why you're critical. Come on, somebody. Am I hitting where you're at? When somebody else announces that they're pregnant, you become critical. Why? Because you sat outside so long that you thought it's permanent when God says it's temporary. And here this man is. He understood a biblical principle that happened way back in Genesis, that he will become what he beholds. And he's like, I'm going to look at something beautiful, even though the inside of me, there's nothing lovely about it. And some of you, let me tell you, you got to get yourself in a place where you begin to surround yourself with vision. I, I remember there was a time our car was so broke down. It was broke, busted, disgusting. It was for real, totaled out Honda Civic and uh, for real. And our first time to go to a nice steakhouse, we drove that and we didn't realize it was valet only. <laughs> Park it beside the Porsche, please. <laughs> I would get behind that car and I would close my eyes. I'd say, God, I may be driving this now, but one day, one day, I may be here now, but this isn't where I'm staying. 
Whenever I was believing God for a baby, I would put my hands on my stomach and say, this womb may be empty now, but one day it's going to birth world changers. One day I'm going to have babies. See, you need to begin to surround yourself with vision. When I was believing God for the finances to come in that we needed, I made out a check to myself for exactly what the tithe was going to be on what we're going to give. What was I doing? I was becoming what I was beholding. And since I couldn't change what the bank account said, I was going to change what my eyes were seeing because I was going to make sure the vision before me wasn't echoing the condition of where I presently was. See, here he was, lame since his birth and staring at something of strength. Have you ever been in a beautiful place with an ugly condition? Have you ever been in a place where it seems like everybody else is getting their breakthrough, everybody else is getting miracles, everybody else is walking in their potential, and here you are, you feel like you've been lame since birth? And here's the thing that we normally do is we begin to make excuses because excuses give the reason why we tell ourselves that we'll never be able to enter in. See, the interesting part is I get it at year five. I get it at year 10. I get it at year 20. But most theologians would say that this man was over the age of 30 and he came every day. At 30 years in, you can become a little critical But yet here we see him doing every day. Let me just say, don't do things occasionally and expect amazing results. If you do it occasionally, expect occasional results. Faith does not come with an expiration date. It says, God, I believe you no matter what happens today. I'm going to keep coming to this gate regardless of what happens. I'm going to keep coming to church regardless of this happens. I'm going to keep giving regardless of what my pocketbook says. I'm going to keep praying over my kids regardless of what their circumstances look like. It's bringing yourself continuously in that act of faith before the gate. So the things I want you to get out of this, and I hope you're getting something out of it today, is I want you to write this first thing down. Expectation has a head that's looking up. In Psalm 75, five through seven, it says promotion does not come from the north, south, east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. I love another scripture. It says, I look up, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. What is he saying? Faith has a, has a gaze that's always looking up. And I've found this in life that there's two kinds of people. There's heads down people and there's heads up people. And really, if you study out insecurity and people that struggle with self-confidence, you can always tell them when they walk into a room because they always have their gaze down. I love that the Bible describes that God is the lifter of our head. See, heads down people are always looking at what their circumstances are saying and they have a defeated heart. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. Heads down people are constantly looking to what the doctor says, looking to what society says, looking to what our friends say, looking what the labels have everybody else have put on us. Heads down people don't know if they have what it takes to to get through today. But heads up people are God expectant. They're faith-fueled and faith-filled. Heads up people are the kind of people that are God ready. They treat every moment as though this is the moment that can change everything. Heads up people are the ones who are looking on the horizon saying, God, I know you're about to do something great. It doesn't matter what's at my feet. God, I'm looking ahead for what you've got coming down the line. See, heads up people are believing more in their tomorrows than what they seen yesterday and what they presently see. Heads up people are believing God for great 
things. Here this man is. And I love that the first act that the disciples told him to do is look up at us. In other words, if a miracle is going to happen, you got to look up at what you're expecting to receive, what you've always gotten. See, because you've seen beggars before. You've seen people sitting by the streets. What do they have right in front of them? Just a little bit of change in a cup. And the disciples were like, if you're going to get something that you've never received, you got to quit looking at what you've always had. And they said, you got to look up for something different. And I'm here to declare over some of you, you got to begin to look up for something different. Quit saying that your future is going to be a rewind of your past. And it's just going to be what it's always been. Well, my mama had cancer and my dad had cancer. So this diagnosis means, let me tell you, God, you the moment you got saved, you got a new father. You got a new family and the Bible says in his bloodline, there's healing In his bloodline, there's strength In his bloodline, there's prosperity. So quit looking down at what you've always gotten. And here they are and they tell him to look up. I heard an interesting story about a man named Chip Wilson. And I know he's rather controversial, but I thought this story was interesting. And he's the founder of Lululemon. Come on, the older you get, the more you're like, workout clothes are my new style. Can I get a witness in this place? It's like yoga pants, yes. And all the men said amen, right? I'm sure you wear yoga pants all the time. And so here he is, Chip Wilson founded Lululemon. And when he did, he moved to Santa Monica and he was trying to get a start. He did this for over three years, struggling, could never catch a break. At three years in, it was a week for payroll. He had nearly 20 employees, couldn't make payroll. Now, as, as a person who manages payroll, I can empathize with that. That's a bad feeling to say to 20 people, hey, y'all, like you ain't getting paid this week. He was working another full-time job because the company couldn't absorb his salary plus the employee's salary. So he worked a full-time job. He shows up to work that day. And they say, Chip, we're so sorry. We're downsizing. we got to let you go. And he's like, I understand. And they said, but we're going to give you a severance package of $50,000. So he goes home and tells his wife. And she's like, you know what? We can either just take it and run or we can throw it into the business and see what happens. 50000 was exactly what he needed to pay rent and pay payroll. There wasn't anything left over. He said the next week. Somebody say the next week. The next week is when Lululemon began to take off. And now the company is worth over $17 billion. $17 billion. I say that to say a heads down person would have just been focused on what I need right now. What it's going to take to get through today. And a heads up person says, God, I know you can do more with it. God, I I can turn this into something greater. And in that moment, he had a choice to look at the way things have always been or look to the horizon for something more. I love this scripture in Psalm uh, 51 verse 2. It says that this is in the message translation. It's great. It says, God sticks his head out of heaven and he looks around. He's looking for someone not stupid. I think that cracks me up. Doesn't that make you laugh? Doesn't the Bible make you laugh? One man, even, God, expect, God expectant, just one God-ready woman. So in other words, the Bible says if you're not expectant and you're not God-ready, the Bible would call you stupid because you can read it backwards, right? So God's looking out of heaven to see if there's somebody who's looking up to him. Somebody who's God expectant and God ready. 
I want to tell you, some of you in this place, you've been laying there for so long, you become critical, and I want to challenge you in this place. Get your head up again. Begin to believe God again. Begin to say, God, you're going to do greater. Well, what if he doesn't? Well, what if he does? A hundred percent of the prayers you never pray will never go answered anyways, right? So I might as well pray for everything and get half of it. At least I'm half closer than you are, right? Let's get our gaze up. The next thing is expectation has a heart that's open. See, okay, let's just be honest. How many people have walked past that lame man and didn't have silver or gold? How many times had he been passed and somebody say, bro, sorry, didn't stop by the ATM today. (laughs) He'd heard that line before. And in that moment, he could have gotten critical. And let me just say this, that if his heart didn't remain open, expecting something, he wouldn't have, he would have left with nothing. Uh, The other day it was Braylee's birthday and she kept trying to plan her birthday. And I'm like, baby, just, she was coming up with dumb ideas. And I'm like, baby, just let your mama plan your birthday. Like, I promise you, mama knows more. Like, mama knows how to do it right. Just let your mama plan your birthday. Because she's like, we'll go to the lake house. We'll have some pizza. And I'm thinking, I want to take you to the spa. I want to give you money to go shopping. I want to take you to a nice dinner. See, in her 13-year-old perspective, she was dreaming as big as she's ever seen. Until she surrounded herself with somebody who could see bigger and give up her plans She wasn't able to step into more. And some of you have felt like God has told you no for the things that you've been praying for. But can I just challenge you that he doesn't want to give you the little to solve your problem that you're currently facing. He wants to set you up for the rest of your life. He wants to get you to a place where you're overcoming. Come on, Ephesians 3.20 says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. And here's the thing is that when you dream as big as you can for your life, you're just starting to touch God's plan for your life. And some of you feel bad for praying big prayers because you think it's too bold. It's too courageous. Oh, I think God will be insulted by this. Let me tell you, God is insulted by small prayers and small thinking. See Peter and John, if they would have given him a few coins, he could have bought dinner for tonight. But now that he was healed and set free, not only could he work for the rest of his life, but he could go into the presence of God where he'd always wanted to go. See, it set up his entire life from that point forward. And some of you, I just want to challenge you, you're thinking too small. God wants you to think bigger. He wants you to go beyond. But here's the thing is that if our heads aren't up, then our heart will remain closed. Hearts closed people become critical. And in that moment, he had to be willing to say yes to what God had. See, when we think God is saying no, he's often saying not yet. When we put periods, God's just putting a comma. Some of us spend our entire life looking at the closed door that we missed the door right beside it that God just opened. And some of you in this place, you feel like God told you no and God let you down. But let me just tell you, the scripture tells us that those who hope in the Lord, their faith will never be disappointed. And I'm here to declare over you that God has a better answer to your prayer. And what you thought was plan A was God's plan B. And he's about to step you into the real plan A. See, I think there's two reasons why God does this. And it's because he will often offend the mind to reveal the heart. The first reason why he does that is because God loves doing miracles in different ways. He never, Jesus never healed the same person the same way twice. 
To one, he spit in their eyes. To the next, he told them to go wash. To the next, he just sent word. He healed people different ways all the time. Why? Because religion always tries to go to look where they last saw God move. And sometimes you're praying for the answer to prayer to happen the way that it happened for your parents, your grandparents, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Nancy, and God's saying, I wanna be original with you. The second reason I think that God loves to do things different in different ways is because God enjoys surprising us when we least expect it. One of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, I'm gonna give you vineyards that you did not plant and houses that you did not build. See, God loves to surprise you with the unexpected. But if you have a heart that's closed, you'll miss it. It could be right in front of you and you're missing it. It could be all around you and you're missing it. Why? Because your heart's closed. See, the enemy wants nothing more than for you to have a victim mentality. Because a victim does this. It only eats and it only hears what the person's holding it captive, feeds them and tells them. And the enemy wants to hold you in a place where all you think about, you're held captive by what didn't happen. And not knowing it, your heart's become closed. And I'll just say this, if you're critical of everyone, maybe you're the one that the problem is. Come on. And I wanna tell you that God wants to surprise you with something different, but if your heart's closed, you could be missing it. See, everything that is happening in your life isn't after the things. The devil doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your kids. He doesn't need your job. He needs your faith. Everything bad that happens in your life has one assignment, and that's to stifle your faith. The argument that happened last night with your spouse is to steal your faith that your marriage isn't getting better. The bill that came in the mail was to get your faith that God's not your provider. See, everything that is happening in your life has one objective, and that is to steal your faith. Hebrews 10, 38 says that the just shall live by faith. Shall live by faith. You are made to live on faith. And that's why hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because when we stop believing God for more, then all of a sudden the light burns out in our life. God made you to live with expectation believing for something more. God, uh, closed leaders, I've said this, but I'm gonna say it again. Closed leaders become a critic where God desires us to remain a student. What I love about this text is that when God does something, it happens so fast. It happens so fast that your head will spin. It happens so quick, so suddenly when God decides to show up, it'll be like a domino effect so quick in your life. And here this man went from being lame all his life from walking to leaping to praising God. See, if he had never walked a single day in our li- his life, most medical people would tell you, well, he's gotta go through physical therapy and he's gonna have to learn all these things. He's never done it before. Let me just tell you, some of you may be sitting here going, Crystal, I'm, I'm in my 50s and it still hasn't happened. Yeah, this is great for the kids that just got back to you from youth camp, but what about me? Like, it's too long, it's too late in my life. Let me just tell you, God can do something so fast. He can take your dream that is lame from walking to leaping to praising God. It can happen so fast. And it didn't take hours. It took minutes. It took seconds. All it takes is one person reaching out to that loved one and they give their life to Christ. All it takes is one moment in the presence of God and you're healed of that addiction. All it takes is one moment. 
See, so many times we look at it and we think, gosh, this is too long. This is too big. But let me just tell you something, that when God does something, he does it fast and he does it perfect. Zechariah 9, 12. I love this scripture so much. If you're looking for a great scripture, this is a good one. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. Well, God doesn't want us prosperous. Well, then why does it tell us to return to the stronghold of prosperity? You prisoners of hope, even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. See, everything the enemy has taken in your life, he's got to give back double. Everything that you have looked back in your past, the times of hurt, the times of pain, I want to tell you and declare you have every right to ask for double. And God wants you to be a prisoner of hope. Remember, a prisoner only eats what the person holding them captive feeds them. And they can only hear what's being told by the person who's holding them captive. In other words, God wants to be the only person who's feeding you and who's telling you the truth about the circumstance. He wants you to be a prisoner of hope. So that's why when those negative thoughts come, oh, this is never going to work out. I'm not listening to those thoughts. I'm going to listen to what this says. Because what this says is that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory. This says that all my children will be taught of the Lord. This says every place that the sole of my foot treads, that which he's given to me. Come on, somebody. I believe in a house, and I know Brian's word has been expectation, expectation. And the Lord was so funny because he's like, Crystal, I want you to preach about expectation. And in this week, we had some things happen that I didn't feel expected. Come on. But the Lord just kept telling me, is your head up? Is your heart open? Watch and see what I'm about to do. And I want to declare that over you. Watch and see what he's about to do. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com. Thanks and have a great week.